As a, as a little kid, I can remember going to Sunday school, and my parents brought us to church. I remember, I can't remember what grade it was, but I, they, we all got uh, this picture Bible. It's a pretty big Bible that you could go through, and it was more of a children's kind of storybook type Bible. And I remember, I have to admit, my favorite story, for some reason, I loved looking at the pictures of how God parted the Red Sea and brought Israel through and drowned Pharaoh's army. And I love looking through those pictures. I remember that story as a little kid. So I was excited when we were going to get to this part um, in in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 13. We're going to be looking at Exodus 13, Exodus 14. And here's the thing. As a kid, you look at that story and you're like, that is a really cool miracle that God would actually part the waters and they're able to walk through it. Um, 1984, I was at the um, uh, Olympic Games in Los Angeles. We went there as a as a youth group to do witnessing on the streets uh, when the Olympic Games were there. It was pretty 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 intense, pretty cool. But we were able to go to Universal Studios uh, on our day off, and and we got to go through the part. If, you've, if some of you have ever been there, where they actually show where uh, they filmed the part of the Red Sea for the movie Ten Commandments. So it's really cool. So you're in this car and you go in and then the water kind of parts and you go through and you kind of see where they kind of made the movie. And, you know, I was like, oh, this is this is really cool. And uh, I love that story. The interesting thing is as a kid, you look at it, it's like, wow, that's a really neat miracle. I mean, just to be there and to see the waters part and what would that be like? And And I think <clears throat> what happens sometimes is we look at the stories of the Old Testament, and, and we see them as a story within itself, just a story that's kind of separated from maybe the whole Bible. And as you begin to read the Word of God, and as you begin to tie those stories in the New Testament, there is something so much deeper going on than just the miracle. And here's the thing. How many know that God can perform miracles anytime he wants to? The problem is, we tend to get caught up in signs and it's easy for us to say, God, show me a sign. And God says, I could always show you a sign, but I want to show you so much more because I can show you the miraculous. But if you just get caught up in the miraculous, you're going to miss the whole meaning of who I am and, and, and what I want to do in your life. And I think what we end up doing is we end up missing the character and the person of God because we're so busy looking for God to do some great sign in our life. God, I'll believe you if you do this. God, I'll believe if, if there's writing in the clouds, right? And it tells me what to do. Then I'll believe that, that you are speaking to me. And I believe God wants to do so much, so much deeper things in our lives. And he uses these signs, not for signs themselves, but he uses these signs to point to something so much deeper. And the deeper thing is he wants to grab you. He wants to grab your heart. He wants to show you who he is. And he wants to have a relationship with you every single day. And there's something so important about this story that I believe relates to the New Testament and our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're going to discover today as we, as we continue to, to go through the, the book of Exodus. So if you have your, your, your Bibles with you today, you can use the ones that are in the seat in front of you. You can look at the screens. We're going to be first looking at Exodus chapter 13. I just want to look at a couple passages there. And so here we are at the point of the story. We know we talked about the Passover last week where, where, where God tells his people to move out. They place the blood of the lamb uh, over the doorposts of their homes uh, God flies over Egypt. His judgment comes on all the firstborn. 
male. And here's God's judgment on Egypt. All those that were covered in the blood were saved from God's judgment. And he says, move out in haste, get ready to move. Uh, and so they move out and here they are, they're moving, they're moving into the wilderness. It's, and it's a desert. It's not, they're not moving into the Adirondacks. There's no water. There's no, there's nothing. I mean, it's just, there's no food. It's, it's, desert. And so they move out and there's probably, there could be as much as 2 million people or more moving out under the leadership of Moses. Have fun Moses with that, right? So he's got all these people, they're moving out and now they come to this place where they're faced with the Red Sea and the Red Sea's before them. And guess who's behind them? The welcome wagon? No, you're right, Ruth. It's Pharaoh. Pharaoh's behind them. And they're like, what? Why did you lead us out in the wilderness just so we could die? This, Moses, not a good plan. This isn't working out. So I want you to see something here. Before this happens, God lays the groundwork for them to say, listen, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. How many realize, thank God, God doesn't tell you everything that's going to happen in your future. Thank God for that. Why? We could not handle it. And so what God does do is he gives us his word as a promise so that when we are faced with our Red Sea, we don't rely on what we see in front of us in the physical. We rely on the word of God that he's faithful. So what God does before we jump into the whole Red Sea story, I want you to see something here. God gives them his word to tell them, I will be Faithful. You've got to trust my word beyond everything else you may see because what's going to happen in your life, you're going to get sidetracked by looking at your circumstances and not the word of God. You're going to get sidetracked by seeing your circumstances and your circumstances will overwhelm you if you immerse yourselves in them and you will lose hope. You will lose faith. But how many of us know that Christ overcame this world. He said, listen, take heart, take hope. I have overcome this world. Does that mean our life is a cakewalk? Does that mean our life is going to be easy? No, but we have God's word that God will see us through. So here's the foundation. Exodus 13, 3 and 21 and 22 are foundational for what they're about to face. Let's, see. Let's jump in the word of God here. Let's look at Exodus 13, 3. It says, then Moses said to the people, commemorate this day, the day you came out of Egypt. So they've just come out after the Passover, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Now drop down to verse 21. Here's, this is so great. So here they are, they're moving out into the wilderness. And what God does is he shows them his presence. So look at verse 21 there. It says, day by day, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in what? A pillar of a cloud to guide them on their way. And by night with a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Okay, so Pastor Barton, what does this have to do with parting the Red Sea? This has everything 
to do with parting the Red Sea. I want you to see two things here real quick as we jump into this. There are two things that God wanted to do for them as they traveled, as they traversed through the wilderness to help them, specifically to help them in their future. Because their future was definitely going to have to be a faith walk. And they were definitely going to have to have many trials as they walked through this. So this, this, this God showing them his very presence and going before them is going to be vital for them. So here, here are two things that we can see in chapter 13. First, God wanted them to remember and never forget that it was him who led them out. So here's my presence. I never want you to forget this is me that led you out of Egyptian bondage. Second... He, he, he wanted them to know that he would be the one that would lead them clouds by day and fire by night. And so what this was, the, 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 the pillar of clouds and the fire. Yes, they were great because, you know, some of you may have heard this preach, you know, the, 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 the clouds helped shield the sun, the fire at night, if it got cold, whatever. I mean, I've heard it preached every single different way. And that, and that may be very well and very well true, but here's what I want you to see. Something way more important than all that, which is great. God's provisions. Thank you, God, for doing that. Give me a little shade. We're going to see a little shade tomorrow, aren't we? Everybody ready for the big eclipse, right? Gosh, don't even get me started on that whole thing. So many predictions and people writing books now. And holy, let me just say this. God is in control. Okay, so just, just everybody relax. Take a deep breath. And just enjoy it, okay? And make sure you wear something so you don't burn your eyes out. Okay, so here we go. So what's more important than all that other stuff? Here's, here's the thing. The pillar, the pillars of cloud and the fire would be a sign of God's presence among them. See, more than, any, more than his provision, they needed to have his presence. See, listen... We, we are such fickle people, aren't we? How many of us know we're just like Israel? God provided for them, and do they complain right after? Right? God provides this, then they complain. God provides that, then they... See, we always, think, we always think our greatest need is our provision. Our greatest need is God's presence. God will provide, but we're fickle because it's never enough. Well, God provided there, but I need this, but I need this, but I need more of this, blah, 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 right? And so the biggest need that they need was God's presence, because they were about to face this huge obstacle. And l- unless they understood God's presence, they would never make it through this huge trial of going through the Red Sea. They needed God's presence. I want you to understand something here. God's presence was always with them. This was a sign that I will lead you and you do not have to be afraid. This was a comfort thing. Oh, there's the cloud. Oh, there's the fire. There's God's presence. Let me tell you what this is very symbolic of. If we fast forward this in, into the New Testament, likewise, God gives us something to show us his presence, that he is always with us, to comfort us. God gives us the clouds and the fire. You know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence in your life is vital because you may be going through a wilderness experience, but all of a sudden you have the presence of the Spirit of God where Jesus says, listen, I will send you another comforter, one who is just like me. And he says, the Holy Spirit is always with us, leading us, speaking to us concerning the will of God. 
And so we have that Holy Spirit with us. We need the presence of God in our life every single day. When we wake up, God, I need your presence. I need to know you're there. And, and the comforting thing is knowing that the Holy Spirit is with inside each and every person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. And we have that comforter, the one that, 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 that is our paraclete, is in the Greek. That it's, it, it's, it's one that is our counselor, that's always with us, that, that, that gives us peace through these trials of our lives. That's the Holy Spirit. And you may think, why do I feel this peace when I shouldn't feel this peace? It's the Holy Spirit. Speaking to you, guiding you. Is there ever a time that you just felt prompted by the Spirit of God? That, that's good. That's good because God wants to speak to you. And he speaks to us through the wonderful gift and working of the Holy Spirit. And so this is what Moses tells Israel. He says, it was the strong hand of the Lord that brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so what God does is now he leads them to the shores of the Red Sea. And so let's pick this up in chapter 14. Let me read a couple verses here. Let's look at verse 5. And so here's, here's what happens. They're out there. And then it says, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Egypt and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've got no workers. Nobody working the rock quarries. Where's Mr. Slate? Where's Fred Flintstone? There's nobody there, right? Nobody there. And so now they changed their minds. What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of his best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with the officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he would pursue the Israelites who were marching out boldly. So here you have, now they're following him. Now they're chasing him. Look at verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And so they're like, oh, goody. They came out to say goodbye to us, right? Wish us farewell. Give us some gifts. No, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Now they all changed their mind. This wasn't a good idea. Look at verse 12. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Okay, now the blame, right? You didn't have to come, but you did. But all of a sudden, didn't we tell you that this wasn't good? Isn't it, don't you love people like that? They follow you and they want to, and then when it doesn't work out, they say, well, didn't I tell you before this wasn't going to work? Don't you love people like that? He goes, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How quickly did they just forget all the promises of God? Whoop, those went right out the window. Doesn't that happen to all of us? Something bad happens and boop, all the promises of God go out the window. Just two days ago, we're like, God, you're so good. Thank you. Praise God. I was in church. I was lifting my hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, you're so good. And something happens. It's like, whoop, what happened? Gone. That's what happened to them. All the promises, the worship, out the window. Look at verse 13. Moses sent to the people, boy, you guys are a bunch of idiots. No, he didn't say that. He said, listen, do, what does he go back on? He's going back on the promises of God that he just told them in, verse, in, in chapter 13. 
He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. Okay. What is the difference between Moses' faith and the Israelites' faith? Moses didn't know how. Moses didn't know. But the difference was he was trusting God's promises over their circumstances. Note to self on that one, right? See, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord, listen to this, this is important. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to stand still. Just maybe, just maybe, God hardened Pharaoh's heart to test the Israelites on their faith. Just maybe, just saying, God uses other people to test our faith and our walk with God. Now, we may want to come against that person and say, man, that person's always against me. Don't like them. I wish they would just be, God, just boop, strike them down with lightning, right? Just maybe, just saying, God is using that to test our faith. So, so here we see the situation. Red Sea in front of them. Pharaoh's armor behind them. It looks like they're caught in this deadly trap. And uh, the Red Sea is, is just massive. There's no way. We're going to die for sure. Now, Pharaoh's not happy. The men fighting with him are not happy. They want revenge. And, uh, and, and probably just what happened to them with all the plagues and so on and so forth. So Israel is not prepared to fight. They've not been trained yet to fight. Eventually they will be. As, as they move through the wilderness and moved into the land of Canaan, but they're not ready. They're not trained. They're not ready. Things even get worse. Things actually got worse before they got better. Israel's thinking, this is not what we signed up for. Did you just bring us out here to die? And many times I think in our relationship with God, we, we come to follow Jesus and all of a sudden our life gets worse and not better. Has that ever happened to you? You're like, wait a minute. I'm following Jesus. I thought things were supposed to get better. Why are things seem to getting worse? And so what does Moses do here? In that moment, Moses says three things. Fear not, stand firm, be still. The Lord is going to fight for you. So here are the things. When, when your life feels like it's not getting better, it's only getting worse, here are three things that, that I believe the word of God gives us to remind ourselves of what God is doing and how we can trust him in his word, even though we may not see it even though we may not understand it, even though the circumstances may be overwhelming. So I'm going to break these three things down for you. Let's look at the first one, the fear not thing. Notice how he says that first, fear not. See, fear comes from seeing our world through physical eyes. We're just like Israel. What Israel saw was this Red Sea behind them, Pharaoh's arm. It's all physical. They're not looking in the spiritual. They're not trusting God's promises. See, in, in the physical, this was a hopeless situation. How are we going to get out of this? And so what fear does is fear causes us to complain. It causes us to worry and it causes us to doubt. That's what fear does. Fear causes us to complain. They all complained. We told you so. Blah, blah, blah. It causes us to worry. What are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Oh my goodness. And then it causes us to doubt. God, did I hear you right? Are you sure about this? Am I missing something here? We doubt ourselves. We doubt God's love. Does God really care for me? Why would God let me go through all this stuff? That's what fear does. 
And so when you find yourself complaining or worrying or doubting, remind yourself, why do I have so much fear? Why am I fearing this? See, God wanted Israel to know that this battle would not be won through the flesh. There's something greater going on behind the scenes than they could ever see. See, it was a spiritual battle, symbolic of our struggle with the enemy. In fact, Ephesians 6, the apostle, apostle Paul says, our battle is not against what? It's not against flesh and blood. See, if, if you were to boil everything down, it, it, it has a spiritual base. And so, so many times we forget that. And so we end up fighting things in the physical that only drain us, cause fear and worry and take us away from our confidence in the Lord. This is why prayer is so important. Prayer causes us not to look to ourselves for the answer, but God. So when I go to prayer, I'm saying, listen, I have no idea how how this is going to work out, but God, I, I need to rely on you. And prayer causes us to fall on God's mercy and grace and his power. And when you pray, you will fight against complaining and doubt and worry. So ask yourself, how much time do I spend complaining, worrying, and doubting? And how much time have I really spent in God's presence praying over this? Have you ever done that? You worry, 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 and then you think, man, did I even pray about this thing? <laughs> spent a lot of time worrying about it. Spent a lot of time f- trying to figure out how we're going to work this whole thing out. But I haven't really spent a lot of time seeking God's presence. So fear not. So Moses wasn't worried. Fear not. Standing on the promises of God. God's working for us. God is fighting for us. So the second thing he tells him is to stand firm. So what are we standing firm in? Well, God told them, I will be with you. I will actually fight for you. So for us here today, how do we stand? What does that mean, Pastor Bart? I mean, how do I, how do I stand firm? I've got this situation. I've got these issues in my life. I've got this circumstance. How do I stand, stand firm? Well, you stand firm in who you are in Christ. That's your identity. So you stand from who you are in Christ and your armor is the gospel. So what does it mean? Practically, what does it mean to stand firm? Well, your confidence is in what Christ has done for you. Understand that Christ has disarmed the work of the enemy for you. God is going to disarm Pharaoh's army. What did Moses say? You're not going to see them anymore after this day. So he disarmed the enemy before them. Christ has disarmed the works of the enemy. Stand firm in prayer. Stand firm in the promises of God. My confidence is in God, the maker of heaven and earth. That's where my confidence is. When you stand firm, you say, I may not understand how this is all going to work out, but I know who I am in Christ. I know he saved me. I know that he's redeemed me. I know that he's conquered the enemy. I know all these things. I'm just going to stand firm in the knowledge of knowing who I am in Christ. My confidence is not going to come from this situation. My confidence is in the Lord who has done this for me. Stand firm in who you are. Remind yourself, encourage yourself in the Lord and who you are in Christ, that you are a new creation. Behold, all things become new. Stand firm, stand firm, stand firm in the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus. And so what Moses is reminding himself, listen, God just brought you out from under Egyptian bondage through the blood of the lamb. God has rescued you. 
He's not going to leave you here now and just say, okay, I did this, but now I'm going to let you die here. Have your confidence in the Lord. He will see you through. Jesus says, I will be with you to what? To the end. I'm going to be with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Where is your confidence? My confidence is in the God of the maker of heaven and earth. And everybody said, amen. So here, here's, here's, the, here's the third thing he says to them. He says, be still, be silent, be calm. So what this means is this. Take responsibility for what is yours and leave the rest in God's hands. Take responsibility. That doesn't mean God doesn't want to do anything, right? Just, oh, whatever, God, just sit on the couch and eat Cheetos and just wait for you, right? I mean, we take responsibility for what is ours. We take responsibility and we leave the rest in God's hands. How many of you have ever been in charge of something and, and you had to lead something and all the responsibility was on you and you worried about it and you're like, you want everything to go well and you're nervous and tense. And then someone with no responsibility came up to you and just said, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be all right. Right, and they start quoting scriptures to you and everything. And you just want to choke them at that moment because like, you know you had all the pressure. And if things don't go right, you know all of it's going to fall on your shoulders. Right? I can remember when we, I'm like crazy when we go on mission trips, especially you're trying to get people through the airport. And you're going, especially when you're, you're coming back is the worst because coming back this year from Costa Rica, we had to go through you know, customs, immigrations and customs. I had 30, 34 people, I think, teenagers, everybody, adults, trying to get them through. And it was just packed when we got off the plane to try to get through these things. And we only had like an hour to get to our connecting flight, domestic flight. And I thought, we are going to miss this thing. And I am sick of these people. I don't want to be another hour with these people. I just want to get home. I love you guys, but I need a break, okay? You know, I, I can't be your father for the whole week, okay? So I'm just teasing. Everybody's looking at me, really, Pastor Barton? Okay, I'm just teasing, okay? Not really. No, I'm teasing. So we get in there, we're, and it's like, it's going slow. We're through immigration, and it's just going slow. We're not getting through. And I can remember going, we're not going to make it. I'm getting tense. Guys, all stay together. Make sure you blah, blah. And someone looks at me and goes, Barton, it's just Pastor Barton. It's just going to be fine. Don't worry. Now, I'm not going to name any names, Amy Eliason. But anyways, um, I was just like, there, come on. You know, and I'm, I'm just, because it's all on me, and I want to get these people through, because I'm just sick of them, and I want to get home. And so we did get through, and Amy was right. We did make it through. But I mean, when you've got that responsibility, you're like, you're tense, and you, you want it to go well, and, 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 and you don't, you're not still, you're not silent, and you're not calm, right? See, I'm responsible for being a good parent. I, I want to, we, we, if you're a parent, you want to do your best with your kids, right? Um, but ultimately, when they leave the house, they're going to make their own choices. So I must leave that in the hands of God, right? I'll do my best with the responsibility that you've given, but eventually when they leave, I got to leave that in the hands of God. I pray for them. I want to support them, do all I can. But ultimately, I can't control everything. See, we must be careful with the temptation of wanting to take control or taking things into our own hands. I believe when God leads them to the Red Sea, yes, he's going to do this great miracle, but the miracle isn't the big thing here, even though it is pretty big. What God wants to show them is, are you going to trust me? Because God got them to the point to where they were completely helpless 
once again to show them it is me who delivers you. Now, no, you got to follow me because this going through the Red Sea is very important. It's not just like, oh, they went through the Red Sea. Isn't that cool? So much more going on here that God wanted to teach them. So God gets them to a place of what? Helplessness. Complete dependence on the Lord. Did they have any hope in the physical? None. See, there's nothing that they couldn't fight. Pharaoh had 600 of his best soldiers. They were the powerhouse of the world at that time. They're not going to win the battle. No way. And so they were going to die there without God's help. Can you see how our salvation is totally dependent on God saving us? It's not because of my goodness. It's not because of my merit. It's not because I've done this, that, and that, or my good, good outweighs my bad. We are completely dependent on Christ for our salvation, completely dependent on his mercy, de- completely dependent on his grace for our salvation. And that's good news for every single one of us in this place today. Because for those of you that feel like I've done too many bad things for God to love me, well, guess what? It's not based on that. It's based on God's grace and his mercy. Amen. That is good, 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 good news for us. So be careful with the temptation of wanting to take control of things into your own hands. And so here, here's what we have to understand. We need to stand firm in the knowledge that God is ultimately in control. That's what we have to stand firm in. The knowledge that God is sovereign, that he is in control. And so what God does is he brings them to the other side. He brings them to the eastern shore. And he wanted them to look back and never forget that it was God that brought them through. In fact, he wanted this story to be told from generation to generation to generation. Of this, It was me who brought you through. You depend completely on me. Don't forget what God has done for you. And so the part of the Red Sea was far more than a miracle, even though it was pretty cool. And I remember I was, I was reading this story. I thought it was pretty, pretty funny. But I was reading this story of a speaker who was visiting a church, and he was speaking on the crossing of the Red Sea. And one of the church members got so excited. You know, th- this, was the, this was the Ruth Brooks of their church, okay? So they got, they got excited. And he shouts out, praise the Lord, taking all them children through the deep waters. What a miracle. Now, the speaker speaking at the church in that day didn't really believe that God parted deep waters, but instead he said they probably walked through a marshland and they probably were only in about six inches of water. In response, that member shouted out, praise the Lord, drowning all those Egyptians in six inches of water. What a mighty miracle. (laughs) See, here's the thing. See, here's the thing. See, God would use this mighty passing so that we would never forget. And here's where I want to here's where I want to connect the dots today and then finish up. See, what we see is once again what we see from the passing of of through the Red Sea. There's this type of passing through the water. God God could have taken them any other route. He could take them a lot of different ways, but he took them this way for a reason. He wanted them to pass through the water. Because you think, why wouldn't he just make it a lot easier and go north and just go around and then go that way? Why did he go down and then make them get into a position where they had no other way out? God wanted them to pass 
through the water because the water is a type of baptism. Here's what, no, follow, don't miss this part because this is so important. They were literally saved through the water. What meant salvation for the Israelites meant judgment for the non-believer. We saw this judgment pass to the Egyptian warriors, but we saw salvation given to the Israelites as they passed through the water. Noah was saved through the water. What brought judgment to the world in Noah's day saved Noah and his family. Moses was saved through the water as a baby. Moses, through God's power, brought salvation to the Israelites, which then brought judgment to Pharaoh and his army. See, here's the point of the Red Sea that's so much more than just the miracle of the part of the Red Sea, which is cool. Here's the point. The point is this. Through baptism, we identify with Christ and we are saved through the water in Christ and we are saved from God's judgment. And we wonder why, what is the, what is the purpose of, of baptism? Why, why? And, 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 and I would encourage every one of you that have not been, been baptized. Some say, well, I was baptized as a kid. Isn't that, isn't that good enough? And listen, I was sprinkled as a kid. I, I, I'm, I, I got it all. I've done everything. I was sprinkled as a kid and I, Baptized when I was 16 years old. Here, here's why I believe baptism is so important for, 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 for us to remember our salvation. It doesn't save you. Baptism, I mean, it's just, it doesn't save you. But it's symbolic of what Christ has done in you. Here's why baptism is so important. Because it causes us to remember what God brought us through. The Israelites were not to forget that God said, I brought you through. I brought salvation to you by bringing you through the water. When you are baptized, you die with Christ. And coming out of the water, you are renewed into this new life. It's through the water, through Christ, my faith in him that I'm a renewed, that I'm a new person. That old person is now dead. When God brought them through, he wanted them to have this symbolic vision of, I brought you through the water. Now you're on the other side. Look back. At Egypt, that's not you anymore. You're not in slavery. You're not in bondage. You're not in sin. I never want you to forget that. Through the waters of baptism, we can look back and say, that's old Barden. See, the reason why I think baptism is so important is because it's a witness to the world that you have now died and you have now rose with Christ. I'm a new person. I'm a new person. And here's, here's what I would just implore you and I would just encourage you for those of you who have not been water baptized. Get baptized. Not because it's some religious ceremony that you go through, but it's something that you say, this is symbolic of what Christ has done in me and I want the world to know. And I want that moment of my salvation to say, this was it. This is where I identify with Christ. This is my witness to the world that that old person is dead and I am new in Christ. So here, here's, so, so it's through baptism we identify with Christ. We're safe through the water in Christ. We're safe from God's judgment. So baptism is symbolic of us dying with Christ, dying to sin, 
going into the water, being raised into new life, and coming out of that water. And Paul reiterates this for us in Romans 6, 3, and 4, where he says, or have you forgotten that, that we were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism? That we're also joined with him in his death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live what? New lives. See, going through the Red Sea, God is now saying to the Israelites, you are mine. The enemy's been defeated. You are mine. I brought you through. You're my possession. And so when you get discouraged or fearful or worried about the future, I want you to do two things. I want you to look back and see where you came from. And I want, to, I want you to look forward to see where you're going. Because where you're going is pretty bright. Now, that doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. But where we're going is pretty bright. The Israelites were going to where? The promised land. And what is our promised land? for believers in Christ Jesus. Heaven! We have heaven. That's my future. That's a pretty good deal. So I don't care what's going to happen at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon. Bring it on. All the judgment, all the name, whatever. I don't care, right? 2012 has come and gone. Y2, remember Y2K? What was up with that? A lot of people made them. I think all those people need to apologize for all the books they wrote and rip everybody off, Right? Come and go. God is in control. Whatever happens, doesn't matter. My destination is heaven. God has brought us through. So look back and then look forward. And so in Christ, you are on the other side. You're saved. Look at how I brought you through. I will be faithful to you in the future. In baptism, reminds us of that, that we are now gods. I now identify with Jesus Christ. So here's your promise for you today and for me today. I love this. Here's what Isaiah does. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah is encouraging the Israelites after they were exiled out of, out of Israel because of their waywardness. But he gives them some hope about how God will restore them and reminding them again of who they are. And notice the, uh, notice the reference here again to the Red Sea. I love this verse. So here's what I want you to do this week. It's in your bulletins, the verse there, but read it in your Bibles. I want you to read this verse, these verses every single day this week to yourself to remind yourself of God's promises. For those of you that are going through some difficulties today, you've got surmountable thing, these big things in your life. I want you to read these passages every single day to yourself and be reminded of who God is. Let's start with verse 16. This is what the Lord says. So who's speaking? The Lord. We need to listen up. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through what? The sea, a path through the mighty waters. Are mighty waters six inches deep? Don't think so. Who, I thought I'd get a lot more amens there, but that's okay. That's all right. That was good. That was good right there. Verse 17, look at, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army, the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again. He snuffed them out, didn't he? Like a wick. 
extinguished it, snuffed it like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on what? You're not there. Through baptism, that person is what? Dead. Gone. Don't dwell on those things. And this is what I love. Here's your promise. You ready? You ready? See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the waste land. Man, that's God's promises. So where they go through the Red Sea. Where are they now? They're in the desert. That's their promise. God said, I'm going to make a way. I'll provide. I'll provide. I'll provide. And that's what we're going to see in the next coming weeks, how God provides for them in the wastelands. They are now his possession. You are now God's possessions in Christ Jesus. Do not fear. Put your trust in him. God is doing a new thing. Let this be your hope and strength today. Amen. Let's bow our hearts. We're going to sing and we're going to close in song and we're going to rejoice in the Lord. Listen, if, um, <clears throat> as we, let's all stand. Let's all stand. We're going to pray and we're going to sing. I don't want to pray, but listen, if you're here today and, and you just need prayer, listen, as we sing the song, come forward. We'll, we'll pray with you. Uh, we don't want you to walk out of this place. You, you may be struggling. Just say, man, I just need someone else just to believe with me and to pray with me for the situation I'm going through because I, I want to believe this, Pastor. I hear what you're saying. I want to believe it. I just need people to pray with me to give me the strength because I know tomorrow's coming and I feel good now, but I know tomorrow's coming and I want God to be with me and I want to rely on this and I just need someone to pray with me in this situation. Just so please come forward. Let us pray with you. Um, and so let's just pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, just thank you for reminding us that you are even in the wasteland, that you are there even in the desert. We are your possessions. Thank you that you're never going to leave us or forsake us, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Remind us of that each and every day. So whatever trial, whatever thing we're going through today, whatever we're faced today, give us hope today to remind us that you are ultimately in control. Thank you. Thank you for being there for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Let's sing the Son of the Lord.